0: Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where Pressure is on the menu. Hello, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to episode 65 of the Liberty Cafe. Really blessed to have you here with me, listening to me, whether it's episode 65 for you or just episode one. Great to be able to, to talk with um, talk with you about how we can – Attack oppression, deal with oppression coming our way in this world, whether it's from big government or from from the devil, which all kind of works together in one sense, or from ourselves, where we are filled with sinful desires in ourselves, and also how to promote liberty and freedom and justice. Lord God, as we are taught in the Bible by God and who we and how that we saw in person in Jesus Christ here on the earth. So glad to have you with us talking about all these things. Also glad to have with us Texas Scorecard, the great sponsor of the Liberty Cafe. Go to texasscorecard.com and join in and learn about the fight for liberty going on here in Texas. You, you may have seen in the news recently about a big fight. Going on in the Texas electricity market, dealing with the reliability and affordability of the Texas grid, so you know so it it's wintertime again when I got up this morning, it was twenty eight degrees, and everybody's a little skittish because it was only about a year ago that we all woke up on a Monday morning, and a lot of us didn't have power. the entire s- State almost was covered and blanketed with snow and it was the the worst storm in my lifetime in Texas back to 1959 and I think a lot worse than, than you can go back a lot farther than that. I mean, Texas had never seen anything like that where it was below freezing for a week almost, something like that and, and deep snow, deep freeze. And we all we all know what happened with that. And so every, everybody's a little skittish, right? Is this going to happen again this winter? Well, what happened this week was there's, there's a, a dispute between two big multi-billion dollar companies, which you know, often happens in this world. And because the government's involved with stuff, these disputes between multi-billion dollar companies often involve us, right? And in this case, it was... Energy transfer, which is or their subsidiaries, which is subsidiaries, which is a big pipeline company, natural gas pipelines in this particular instance. And they had threatened to stop selling natural gas to Luminate, which which belongs to uh, Vistra Corporation, which generates electricity for the electricity grid. And they'd threatened to stop, I think it was this coming Monday, well, right as the big cold snap hits, right? And, and so <laughs> You know, you just got to think about w- what these folks are thinking. Now, th- there's nothing wrong with one company not doing business with another company if they have a dispute. In this case, Energy Transfer was claiming that uh, Vistra owed them $21.6 million. And they said, we're not going to sell you electricity, I mean, natural gas anymore, if you don't pay us that money. Nothing wrong with that at all. But think about the optics, right? Freezes are coming. We just had this great big disaster a year ago. Public awareness is heightened. Uh, Legislators and public officials' awareness is heightened and all of a sudden, this one company threatens to cut off natural gas from the electric grid, right? It it just – it's not very smart, right? And, And you might often see that, that a lot of the leaders of these big businesses. You wonder how they got there because sometimes they don't seem very smart. And that was the case here, right? So wh- whether they had a legitimate dispute with VISTRA or not, just threatening this right in the middle of the winter and threatening to shut down the Texas le- electricity grid was not very smart. Now, I'm sure what they thought was that, well, they could force Luminant to pay them the money because Luminant didn't want to um, not generate electricity and get in trouble. But Luminant turned it around on them. They went to the regulators in the state. They, they made a public deal out of it. And energy transfer back down really quick, right? So th- that's not a bad thing that we're going to have enough natural gas and the grids not going to be shut down. But what is kind of bad though is, is how the, the government really stepped in to deal with this. right? And let me explain that before you get all upset about the government trying to protect our electricity grid. Because there is a role for government in, in those kind of things. So for instance, here's a quote from uh, Senator Nathan Johnson. He's a Democrat. He's out of Dallas, state senator here. And he criticized energy transfer by saying, gas suppliers should not be able to take the grid and consumers hostage as a means to prevail in their commercial disputes. Well that, that sounds good, but but you got to remember how this dispute got started in the first place. This dispute came from the the crisis, the blackouts last year and specifically, it it wasn't caused by the cold weather. I mean the cold weather was part of that obviously and that caused a lot of problems and we're going to be in tough shape no matter what the government did or had done. But the government had been messing with our market for a long time, taking over market activities and in particular, uh, it was – Monday afternoon, you may recall that the lights went out started going out about one o'clock on sunday morning and by about four o'clock that afternoon, electricity prices had gone up from you know on a, on a typical day they're running about anywhere from five to fifty bucks per megawatt hour, so it just depends but they'd gone all the way up to two thousand dollars per megawatt hour, which makes sense because. You know, when demand goes up as it does during the cold and the supply goes down as it did when the cold started to make it more difficult to generate electricity and transport natural gas, it makes sense that the price goes up. But the regulators, the three commissioners at the PUC, for them, $2,000 wasn't high enough because there's a market cap in, in Texas, or there was that's at electricity prices can't go higher than $9,000 per megawatt hour. And they're sitting in their offices or in their homes wherever they were here in Austin, Texas. And they're thinking, oh, well, if the grid's shutting down and we don't have enough electricity, then the price should be at $9,000 because that will incentivize more people to bring more electricity onto the marketplace and it'll make the system work better and our lights will come back on. And so... They just went and artificially overrode the market and set the price at $9,000. So they more than quadrupled the price of electricity that was already up by a factor of 100 over what it normally is just depending on where you start from. And and they just did that and they kept it there for days and days and days and days and days. days. So it was government intervention in the marketplace – that set up this fight between VISTRA and energy transfer Um, and and this number is pretty amazing. So, um, VISTRA during this – about one week period or so during the the crisis, they spent approximately $1.5 billion for natural gas during this time, right? That is twice the amount of money that they had planned to spend on natural gas. To fuel its entire fleet for a full year, right? So they spent more in—twice as more in a week than they had planned to spend for the whole year. And you know where all that money went? The vast majority of it went to energy transfer. And why did energy transfer get the money? Well, because they had contracts to sell electricity to Vistra and other companies. Well, they came in and claimed force majeure, which is basically saying an act of God has prevented us from being able to— fulfill our contracts. And there is that – there is a force majeure clause in, in most contracts like this. And so they canceled their contracts and they said, oh, but by the way, we still have natural gas and we'd be happy to sell it to you. But at 100 times or 200 times or whatever the price was, more than the contract called for. So they canceled the contract that they had with Vistra and other companies and then turned around and just sold them the gas that they already had under contract but for a lot more. And during the storm itself, energy transfer made $2.4 billion. And who's paying for all that? Well, Texas consumers and we're still paying for all that. But that wasn't enough for them. They want this extra $21.6 billion from Vistra. And so that's what the big fight was about. So you see that, that why I'm a little concerned about government stepping in and solving this current dispute because it was government stepping in that caused the con- the dispute in the first place and where all these prices went up, right? And so – and then the other thing about it is when the PUC did this, the legislature had a chance to come back in and, and say, no, no, no. You should not have artificially overrode the market. You don't – you guys don't know what you're talking about because it didn't matter how high the price of electricity went, there was no more natural gas out there there was no more electricity to be brought onto the grid. They could have raised it to $100,000 per megawatt hour and it wouldn't have increased the supply of electricity at all because there just wasn't out there. So again, you you, kind of wonder how these people get to be heads of state agencies and stuff when they're thinking like that. And, And of course, a lot of it has to do with they get in these offices and they're you know, they're like in this case at 17th in Congress and they're just sitting there and and they don't see what's going on out in the real world. They start thinking in theory and, and all these kind of things and they just talk to lobbyists and those kind of things. And then they make crazy decisions like this. But the craziest thing I think is that the legislature and Governor Abbott wouldn't override him. To his credit, Dan Patrick tried in the Senate, did pass legislation that would have reversed The $9,000 charge that the PUC imposed on the market. But the Texas House, led by Dade Phelan, the speaker, and at the time, Chris Patty, who was the chairman of the relevant committee over in the uh, House, House State Affairs, I believe, they wouldn't do the legislation. Abbott wouldn't support the legislation, and he wouldn't direct his PUC commissioner to reverse course. And so Texans have gotten stuck with this bill. So you had the – government stepping in causing this problem, either the government refusing to step in to fix the problem, and now we have another problem the government wants to step in. So it always seems, I mean, I could be wrong, but it often seems to me that when the government steps in to fix a problem, we taxpayers and consumers and average citizens are the ones who come up on the short end of things, right? And and this goes way back, right? This is nothing new. You know, for instance, Let's go back uh, – I said on my last uh, – on episode 64 that we're just going back a few years. But let, let's go back about 800 years or so almost, back to 1285. Edward I was king of England and he set up a commission. Uh, the, the people involved were Roger de Northwode, John de Cobham, Cobham and Henry le Galles. And they were set up to investigate the use of sea coal in lime kilns in London in the suburbs. So what was going on back in the, that time was Londoners and Eng, English – the English folks uh, burned wood for heat and they also burned wood in lime kilns to make lime because this lime was used to um, help build houses back in the day and keep them sound and and uh, weatherproof and those kind of things. And so used a lot of wood. But what happened was the royal forests were put off limits in a lot of cases, running out of woods or overused because they were the tragedy of the commons where nobody's in charge and so everybody uses it up. So there became to be a shortage of wood, but people were still cold and needed heat. And they still needed energy to make, you know, do the lime kilns. And so they started turning to what back then was called sea coal, and mainly because it was brought in from overseas. They had also coal deposits in England, but generally called sea coal. But it's the same product that we call coal today. But the problem with coal is that it doesn't burn as clean as, as efficiently without a lot of technology to make it work that way. And, and back then, they just didn't have the technology. They didn't have the capital to build what was needed to keep coal burning efficiently. So it, it, they had to burn a lot of it and it burned really poorly and put out a lot of soot and dust and, and pollution. So you know, the environmental air quality conditions were getting pretty bad in London. And so uh, at one point in time, Edward actually banned the use of sea coal in London. Not many people paid attention to him. But it was because the rich people were complaining about the air quality, and so they were trying to keep the poor people from using the sea coal to keep themselves warm, right? And so, yes, they needed to deal with the problem of air quality, but people need to stay warm too. And so you you see – it goes way back before Edward I, but you see this long line of intervention, energy markets and other places where um, the government steps in – they do something and it's often to protect some special interest uh, and usually a wealthy special interest is how it works out. And then the commoners or plebes, or commoners or peons or whatever you want to call us, we're the ones who are left behind on that. Saw this again back in the 19, uh, 1970s. President Carter had a national energy, energy plan and because we're running a little short on oil. And natural gas, not because – well, because the markets weren't being allowed to work. You know, There were price controls on all this kind of stuff and, and you had OPEC and all these kind of things. So he set up this synthetic fuel corporation, which was designed to take coal and other things and make synthetic oil and natural gas so we would have enough to it. Well, he spent $25 billion of our money, the commoners' money – and didn't come up with anything. And once Reagan got in, they just shut down the Sin Fuels Corporation, right? Now, today, we have President Biden. First thing he did almost when he got in, in office was execute an executive order on tackling the climate crisis at home and abroad, right? And so the purpose of his work there was to avoid the most catastrophic impacts of the Climate crisis, right? So, what are the impacts of that crisis? Well, tornadoes and hurricanes and all these kind of things, right? Or the, you know, except you know, if you might just think about it for a minute, we had tornadoes and hurricanes and hot weather and forest fires and whatever you think before the climate crisis, right? before anybody's talking about it, before the CO two levels were going up or going down, or before the temperature was going up or going down, depending on when you're talking about, we had all those things. So, so it's unclear what the crisis really is, and whether or not people and their use of CO two, uh, you know, burning coal and natural gas and all, actually have any contribution to it all. It's a big debate, except in some circles, it's not. And the only question is, was how much they're going to make us pay to. Do this, in a huge amount. You know, they just passed—well, not just passed, but a little while ago—passed the 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure bill. A lot of money in there was going in there to fund this climate crisis initiative that President Biden has come out. So, what's the impact? So, we're talking about potential impacts of the climate crisis. Well, here's the real impacts of what the government is doing to us right now when it comes to energy markets. For instance. Uh, the price of regular gasoline has gone up 43 percent in Biden's first year in office. Uh, overall prices during the first 11 months of the Biden administration have gone up 33 percent. Inflation and – you know which is printing more money and then it's also re- raising prices because of you know, reducing uh, demand or increasing demand or reducing supply, those kind of things. The biggest driver – cost driver by far in all this hike of prices is increases in the cost of energy, right? So whether it's the PUC, whether it's King Edward I, whether it's Joe Biden or whoever – Greg Abbott, whoever it might be, when you see the government stepping in to solve problems in the market – or that, you know, the perceived problems in the market or perceived problems in society, you better hold on to your wallet because things are likely not to work out in your best interest, right? Now, and this is so wrong in so many ways, and I'll just finish up with this, that if we go to, to Scripture, we see that, you know, for instance, in Romans thirteen four, God's uh, public officials are God's servants for the good of God's people, right? And it's not like there's not a role for these government officials to protect the health of our citizens. There's there's plenty of biblical examples for that. But every time almost we see them come into stuff, whether it's COVID-19 or renewable energy or intervening in the Texas electricity market, we seem to have a lot of problems that are worse than the ones that were there, right? Things get worse rather than better. And I'd suggest that most of this has to do with just the pride and arrogance of um, our public officials. Right? They 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 think they can fix the problems, and they they ignore what are the founders of our country called our unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that were endowed to us by our Creator. Right. And when you start ignoring what our Creator has done, then you're going to get things wrong every time. So just keep this in mind as we look at the problems as we here in Texas and across the United States that really what's going on more than anything else is that men have forgotten God. And until we remember him and realize Christ's kingship over all of creation, including government and politics and economics— we're going to be in for a hard ride. All right. Well, thank you very much. That was episode 65 of the Liberty Cafe. And thank you once again also to our great sponsors, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe by Texas Scorecard. You can find more shows and great content at TexasScorecard.com. Please consider leaving a review or rating the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen to.